cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I'm joined by Leonor Cavota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. Hey, so you've been in the banking business. What's the uh, deal with FTX? It's uh, cryptocurrency. No, but I mean, what's your take on what's going on there? What's my take on what's going yeah. on here? I think a lot of exuberance about, you know, another house of cards type scenario. Wow. Yeah. You know, we were I at- mean, I was more on the consumer side, so I don't have as much, uh, you know, pr- professional experience in that domain. We, but we I, were at an event last night, yeah. and I got to tell you, I talked to a lot of people, and there's so many gullible people. And that's what concerns me in Washington, D.C. They just want to make it sound like or no, it's 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 not a it's not a, uh, a slush fund for Democrats. No, all this billions of dollars that's going into Ukraine. No, it's Russia. I mean, there were people at this event that were talking about it like Russia's the bad guy and they're the cause of. Uh, all this expenditure in Ukraine. Well, that's... No, it couldn't possibly be that... It could not possibly be that the the funding going into Ukraine that winds up in an FTX uh, uh, cryptocurrency account uh, finds its way back to Democrat politicians. And I would even dare say... Republican politicians well, like Mitt Romney happen. or Lindsey Graham or you, you name it. Well, I think, you know, and, and as you and I have discussed, particularly a lot recently with the election, is there are a lot of Republicans that will finance Democrats because they're not uh, interested in in supporting particular Republicans. And we've seen this with Trump. I mean, but, we've seen this with people who are the, the, the never Trumpers that will finance the other side. So there's a lot of... The naivety uh, is killing me. The naivety is killing you. The naivete is killing you. But no, but it's also interesting because you have a lot of people that get caught up with the bright new shiny object. And that's part of why we see crashes and why we see things that are too good to be true that crash. And they crash because they were too good to be true. (sighs) And, that, yeah. and people get I, caught I up in the exuberance, I, the financial. I don't, I don't see it like that. Um, 
I don't even see it as a bright, new, shiny object. I see it as a tool and a weapon. And I see um, a bunch of corrupt politicians, you know, sharpening their spear and actually going after the American people. See, I never saw FTX. I Well, frankly, before this story, I didn't know about FTX, but uh, to be honest. But now that I understand what it was, I always knew that Ukraine was a laundering uh, opportunity. And I always knew that the Bidens and the Pelosi's and the uh, John Kerry's were involved. But what I didn't know is, you know, I, I was always thinking of the Swiss bank account. But now I understand that it's the blockchain. I should have known that because it was uh, Patrick Byrne that used his cryptocurrency uh, uh, prowess to funnel and finance uh, funds to people like Ali Alexander mm-hmm. and to uh, a lot of other uh, so-called conservative pundits that were infiltrating the conservative party and telling people down in Georgia not to vote and holding the Jericho march and doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff working with General Flynn and working with um, Alex Jones and embarrassing the Republican Party and trying to associate themselves with Trump. And that was a cryptocurrency operation as well. But this FTX had no internal controls. That was one of the biggest issue with it. It had no financial and no corporate controls. It had bad accounting. And then there was all, you know, all the... Well, there's going to be an audit now. Well, there's got to be. Well, let's take a listen to to, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, again, she went out and endorsed J.D. Vance, and I didn't agree with that. But I do agree with the idea that J.D. Vance was probably the only candidate that could beat... Uh, Tim Ryan, so great for that. Um, I also am not the biggest fan that she endorsed McCarthy as the Speaker of the House um, because she probably was promised a committee here, uh, committee probably uh, position, probably, and uh, and that's very lucrative and that helps her win re-election. Uh, by getting FaceTime on the media and, and things like that, and to be taken more seriously. And so for those things, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but And McCarthy has made some strong statements saying that he's going to come out uh, guns blazing and go after the bad guys. Yeah. So let's just see what happens. Let's take a, let's take a listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene. We've watched tens of billions of dollars be sent to defend another nation's border that is not our own. Every single day, our border is invaded by people from foreign lands and also by drugs. Over 300 people are dying every single day. Americans are dying every single day from fentanyl poisoning. Yet the Biden administration and this Congress has not done anything to protect our nation's border and the American people. Just to remind everyone, the building that we're standing in, the federal government, and everyone's paychecks here is paid by the American taxpayers. And the American taxpayers and the American people deserve to have a secure border and deserve the protection of the federal government from the Mexican cartels that funnel drugs into America to kill Americans. 
I'm calling for an audit of every single penny that has been sent to Ukraine, including aid money and any other monies that have been given to the Ukrainian government to defend their national security where our national security has been ignored. This must be done. It has to be done as soon as possible for the American people. They deserve transparency, and they deserve to see where their money is going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to be big trouble. You're never going to know where that money's going. Yeah. Because that money ended up in FTX. Yeah. That's what I believe. And, you know, um, let's take a listen to Tucker Carlson on that. This is uh, his open. Uh, and I, I, I actually think, uh, you know, he was on vacation or he was doing some business, right? He wasn't on air on Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, I think Tulsi Gabbard sat in for him a couple of nights. And Will Kane. And Will Kane. Did a fabulous job. Who I love job. Will Kane. And then when Tucker came back, he knew, just like I know, that FTX is the story of our time. This is going to be the biggest story. And I could not get over when I was out at this event, Washingtonian event, with all these Washingtonian elites. And they didn't, they didn't have a clue. They didn't know what this story was about. And it was frustrating. And it was disgusting, really. Um, that these people just turned a blind eye. Oh, well, you know, like, couldn't possibly be like that. That's a conspiracy. I just can't stand it. And uh, the the uh, blind ignorance, because you just don't want to really know what's going on. And that, that seemed to be the flavor of the, of the night uh, last night at this event. And uh, meanwhile, Tucker Carlson has a whole team of people that's focused on this issue. And I think this is the issue. This is the big issue where Ukrainian funds are winding up the funds that Biden is approving and sending over to Ukraine are winding up in FTX and FTX donations are winding up in the coffers of Democrat candidates. To me, that's the biggest scandal that ever hit the United States. And we have to address it. We have to understand it. We have to get on top of it. And these Washingtonian politicians won't do it. But we are. The collapse of the cryptocurrency exchange FTX is, even if you're not interested in cryptocurrency, a history-changing event. It may turn out to be the biggest single-day loss of assets in the history of money. Billions of dollars evaporated in just moments, and it's still not clear what happened to a lot of that money. It just disappeared. And as it did, it sparked a growing financial crisis across entire sectors of the economy, a disaster that quite possibly could get very worse very soon. But the story of the FTX implosion is bigger even than the global recession it may cause. It is the story of the complete and utter corruption of the people who run our country. The very people who should have been covering and regulating and reigning in FTX and its 30-year-old founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, were instead profiting from the scam. Not just a few of them, nearly all of them. From the news media, paid off by Sam Bankman-Fried, to the leadership of the Democratic Party, also paid off by Sam Bankman-Fried, 
to the chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC commissioner himself, Gary Gensler. They all knew that FTX was not a real company and that Sam Bankman-Fried was a fraud. And if they didn't know that, they certainly should have known that because it was very obvious to anyone who bothered to pay attention. One of the few who did pay attention was a short seller called Mark Cahodis, who took one look at Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF for short, and recognized here is a con artist, obviously. Watch this tape, which aired on Hedge Eye TV, a small investment advice channel, back in October. When anyone tries to pin SBF down on where he made his money, you can't get a cogent answer. Then you take into account that SBF is bailing out known Ponzi's and frauds in the crypto space. Everyone who's gone bankrupt or is a proven fraud. But nothing here fits. Everyone, everything reads like this thing is a complete scam. And I think this thing is dirty and rotten to the core. So if that guy on a small audience investment channel could tell that Sam Bankman-Fried was a fraud, where was Gary Gensler of the SEC? And by the way, the tell in the sentence you just heard is that Sam Bankman-Fried couldn't explain where he got his money. Here you are, a 30-year-old billionaire. How'd you do that? If you can't tell us, then maybe that's a red flag, and you would think most investors would have recognized it. But for the most part, they didn't. Nor do they seem to notice the obvious incompetence of Sam Bankman-Fried's business partner slash girlfriend, Caroline Ellison. Ellison was totally and obviously unqualified for the job she claimed to have. She had no track record of success at anything. She reportedly wrote online about her drug use. And then, on a podcast back in May, months before the collapse, Caroline Ellison just came out and admitted that she had no idea what she was doing. Watch this. Do you think that you have been able to pull this thing off without your mathematics degree, or it has been the pillar of your trading activity? Uh, yeah, absolutely could pull it off without my math degree. <laughs> Use very little math. When you start out as like an intern and you, you know, do something and accidentally lose, you know, maybe a thousand dollars for your desk, you're like, oh God, like everyone's going to hate me now. Like this is terrible. <laughs> and uh, yeah, over time you have to uh, sort of, yeah, get comfortable with larger and larger uh, swings of money. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good example of a trade where I've lost a ton of money um well i don't know i probably don't want to go into specifics too much yeah, with that <laughs> oh i've lost a ton of money no big deal it's not mine and no there's no math here at the cryptocurrency exchange now let's send her billions of dollars lost a lot of money a lot of money that investors including institutional investors including individuals who are hoping to retire with that money, all gone because we don't do math. <laughs> It's so outdated. But here's the amazing thing. None of this seemed to phase the biggest institutional investors. Sequoia, their entire job is to what? Assess risk. But it wasn't really about risk and reward. It was about something else. Earlier this year, Michael Grimes, a former spokesman for Bill Clinton, 
who seemed to be making an awful lot of money somehow in the financial world, approached Elon Musk, the world's richest man, with an investment offer on behalf of SBS. Sam Bakeman-Fried wants you to invest. Elon Musk didn't get to be the richest man on the planet by investing in things like that, so he apparently smelled BS and turned Grimes down. But in their exchange, which has since become public, Grimes multiple times told Musk that, by the way, Sam Bankman-Fried is a huge donor to the Democratic Party. Quote, major Democratic donor, Grimes wrote to Musk, second to Bloomberg in donations to Biden campaign. What does that have to do with the investment? It should be irrelevant, but that was the substance of the pitch. What is this exactly? doesn't quite sound like a business. It sounds like a hybrid of some kind and not in a reassuring way. Now, some of this was happening in secret, but a lot of it was happening right out in public, right in front of the news media. And of course, a lot of them knew Sam Bankman-Fried because he was sending a lot of the money. And when he wasn't, he was desperate for the publicity they could provide. Sam Bankman-Fried was on the cover of more magazines than Madonna. So they probably should have been asking questions about his business, but none of them did. They promoted him. Watch. They call him the J.P. Morgan of crypto, right? Yeah, <laughs> the Michael Jordan of crypto, if you will. <laughs> so why should you care about a floppy-haired, vegan, fidget-spinning crypto billionaire who occasionally sleeps on a beanbag chair? During the so-called crypto winter, the 30-year-old CEO has been referred to as crypto's white knight. J.P. Morgan of this generation. Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX. Is he the Jay Gould of our era, or is he the J.P. Morgan of our era? I think it's yet to be determined. Yet to be determined. By the way, that's Kramer, right? Yeah. Kramer's the biggest fraud on the planet. The biggest fraud. And uh, unbelievable that Kramer still has his job. But the only reason why Kramer is successful is because he promotes stocks that are about to plunge and people sell short. Yeah. That's all it is. <clears throat> he is such a fraud. Uh, and anybody who watches and listens to Kramer has got to be out of their mind. Uh, but let's continue. Is he, is he Vanderbilt? He could be. Is he Harriman? Possibly. Is he the Credit Mobiliar scandal? Is he Carnegie? the J.P. Morgan of finance, of crypto. He's the Michael Jordan of crypto. But wait a second. Michael Jordan's not in crypto. He played basketball. Well, Sam Bankman-Free's not really in crypto either. How are we all getting rich? Uh, who knows? Don't ask questions. He's the J.P. Morgan. He'll be a trillionaire. So why were all these people pushing a scam that any normal person, even a person with no background in finance, and just sort of a elementary understanding of profit-loss equations could have seen was probably going to collapse in the end. Now, we're not sure. Stupidity clearly plays a role. So does the herd instinct. So all we can ask really is, who is benefiting from all of this? Well, we know that the Democratic Party benefited, as we told you. Sam Bankman-Fried donated $40 million to Democrats this cycle. That's more than any other donor apart from Soros. Then he pledged another billion dollars for the next election, a billion dollars in one election, because that's democracy. He wasn't doing this in private. He was bragging about it. And then he was going on in public about how politicians, Democratic politicians, were begging him for money. Watch this. You know, so how do you find political fundraisers? They come to you directly. Is it easy to get to you and say, we need this money for this candidate? And what type of candidates do you tend to support? Oh, yeah. Well, if you if I you know pulled out my phone here and just looked at my last 10 text messages, you know, about half of them are going to be 
uh, people asking for, you know, politicians asking for, for contributions. So why were you telling us this in public? And by the way, if you're shaking like a naked man in a snowstorm in the middle of an interview, maybe there's something wrong with you. Send that boy another billion dollars. So how substantial are we overstating this? We're making a partisan point. So the things collapsed. It was clearly a Ponzi. Are we trying to attack the Democratic Party now? No, it's actually justified. This guy was a major donor, major donor. According to the head of Citadel, defeating Donald Trump was literally on the balance sheet of FTX. Watch this. FTX crosses a, in, into, a, into a zone that, that all of us are worried about. You know, on the balance sheet of FTX is a line called Trump Lose. And Sam was the second biggest donor to Democratic candidates. I'm going to leave it to everybody else to draw their own conclusions about what you're saying here. The other reporter says, we're out of time. We can't go too deeply into that. Really? Let's go more deeply into it. It's pretty interesting. So, of course, politicians love the guy because he was just a cash spigot, and that's what they want most. But where were the regulators? Because there is a government that's supposed to be independent of office holders, a regulatory state that keeps Ponzi's from happening. Where were they? Well, Sam Bankman-Fried was himself invited to Washington to consult on crypto regulations. <laughs> and then he posed for a picture with Maxine Waters who's the head financial regulator in the Congress. And then the Washington Post, which is the hometown newspaper of government, did no reporting on his actual business. They just wrote a puff piece about how cool is it that the guy with funky hair who can't sit still and sleeps on a beanbag is getting super rich. How did he pull the scam? How did he do that? Well, he did it with religion. That's the quickest way to blind people. If they think you share a common faith, Maybe they'll ignore it. And that religion is effective altruism. There are a lot of effective altruists. Maybe you haven't heard of that. It's, it is a kind of religious movement. It's very popular in the tech world and the finance world throughout Silicon Valley and parts of New York. The idea is that you make money not because you're greedy, not because you have a bottomless pit inside you of need that can never be filled, but because you want to help other people and you want to help them in the most efficient way. You want to benefit the greatest numbers of people in the most efficient way. So that means effective altruists get to underpay their housekeepers. They get to stiff the waiter on the tip. And of course, they need us to say they do. But that's okay because they're deeply concerned about abstract tragedies like global warming. So if nothing else, effective altruism gives you a moral cover as you rip off investors in order to live tax-free in splendor in some beachfront paradise as Sam Bankman-Fried did and to this day continues to do. He's still in Albany in the Bahamas. So it goes without saying that Sam Bankman-Fried talked a lot about effective altruism. And in return, FTX enjoyed a very high ESG score, higher than Exxon, which gets your ambulance to the hospital and your plane in the air to see your kids and heats your home. Sam Bankman-Fried was considered a moral leader even as he was ripping off millions of people. But no one benefited long-term from FTX's collapse or will benefit more than government regulators. They are pointing to FTX and demanding more control over cryptocurrency and ultimately the end of the cash economy. Why do we think they're going to do that? Because they're already working on it. SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce said this week that the demise of XTS could be a, quote, catalyst for more regulation. So why should you worry about that? Well, because as we saw in Canada last year, 
crypto is a huge problem for governments. Governments can't control, ideally, cryptocurrency. You can't freeze someone's personal cold wallet with crypto in it if you don't like what they say. So what does this have to do with the collapse of FTX? Well, it turns out that Sam Bankman-Fried's girlfriend, Carolyn Ellison, has a lot of connections to regulators. In fact, the biggest regulator of all in this country. Her father, Glenn, is an MIT professor who worked at that university alongside, drumroll please, Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, which is in charge of cryptocurrency regulation. FTX's general counsel used to work with Gensler on the Commodities Future Trading Commission. Now Gensler is about to get a lot more power. So this thing swells to unsustainable size and inevitably implodes, it collapses, and that collapse is used for a pretext to do what they've been planning to do all along. So it probably shouldn't shock you that right after FTX's collapse, every major bank in this country announced a new partnership with the New York Fed to establish a new digital currency. Oh, digital currency. The one they can regulate and control. Citigroup, Wells Fargo, MasterCard, HSBC, all working on a 12-week digital dollar pilot. The Fed describes this project as a regulated liability network. So what does this mean long term? Well, if they have control of your money because it's digital, you can't stash it under your bed. If they don't like what you say, they can turn it off and you're impoverished. In other words, this whole thing is a bigger scam even than it seems, and it was made possible by political sloganeering. And Sam Bankman-Fried, if nothing else, is not stupid, and he knows that well. As he put it in a message to a reporter the other day from his hideout in the Bahamas, the woke posturing is the most effective possible business boy. And we're quoting, I feel bad for those who get effed by it, he wrote, by this dumb game we woke Westerners play where we all say the right shibboleths and everyone likes us. In other words, if you suspected all this was a scam, all the moral posturing, all the lectures you get about how they're great and you're bad, this was all a way to blind you to the fact that there was a massive ripoff going on, you might be on the right track. Jonas Max Ferris is the founder of Max Funds. He joins us tonight. So that is that. That is that. To me, to me, that was a that was a eye opener. Yeah. I thought that his uh, he really he really uh, I think that Tucker really put uh, an exclamation point on that. Yeah, totally. And uh, that's why I wanted to play that. It was longer than I wanted it to be, but. Um, what is your take on that? Well, again, I think my I think my take on it. I mean, you've talked about the money going a lot of money going towards Democrats, but again, this is another situation where you have an organization which um, you know has Ponzi scheme type uh, infrastructure, and you have you have people managing who are not really managing this. That the the, uh, the guy the, the guy who was at charge of mm-hmm. Frankman Reed, whatever uh, but, the, with the hair Bankman Freed Bankman Freed. Um, yeah, but Sam here's ba- the problem. See, the, the, my point my my point here is this is not Bernie Madoff who did it to profit. No. This is this is intelligence. This is CIA. This is secretary uh this is state department stuff. This to me is uh FBI uh turning a blind eye. This is the SEC turning a blind eye. This is politici- politicization of 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 currency. Yeah. And this is the problem I have with this uh, digital currency. And by the way, one of the greatest things I heard uh, in a long time 
was that McCar- Kevin McCarthy said, we're going to reverse the 87,000 IRS, IRS agents. No, yeah. It, yeah, no, that was... Which the, I think has been designed well, to advance digital currency. No, I know. I think that's a very good thing. But, you know, but what was going on with uh, FTX is they had a sister company in there and there were inappropriate things. Alameda, there were inappropriate things, trades going back and forth. There were, as I said already, there were no controls. Yeah. They they were using emoji to, to uh, approve expenses. I mean, there was no specific thing that was at its heart managing uh, this in- entity, and yeah. and people were looking the other way. Yeah, but my biggest my biggest concern is was was this systematic and state sponsored? Was this something that Biden was uh, under uh, aware of, in the sense that he's allocating thirty seven more billion do- dollars to Ukraine because the coffers are empty now? For the next election, because you put $37 billion over there and you tell Polinsky, you keep $10 million, take that, take your family out, you know, put them on a boat and give them a nice vacation. And the rest is billions of dollars going into Ukraine. And, you know, how many siphon offs are, are happening on this? Uh, when you send $37 billion of your money, mm-hmm. taxpayer dollars, over to Ukraine, how much of that? And so when Marjorie Taylor Greene talked about an audit, I I think that's going to spell big trouble yeah. for uh, government. Uh, let's take another listen to another clip from uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Here in the news, we're just finding out about the situation with FTX and the cryptocurrency. So is American people's taxpayer dollars going to fund aid in Ukraine, but yet it's really funding something else that's happening, maybe ending up in Democrat donors' pockets? Was that helping Democrat campaigns? Was that helping Democrat candidates get elected? $8.9 billion is for the humanitarian assistance including emergency food and assistance for Ukraine and Ukrainian refugees in the region and for other countries directly impacted by the conflict. Again, what other countries? And how much money went to the other countries? And what organizations are involved? Who runs these organizations? And why did they get the contracts? $11.8 billion in other assistance, including for direct budget support, to Ukraine and development aid and other assistance to Ukraine and other affected countries. What development aid? What assistance? Who is running this? These are all the questions the American people have. Here in the- you, I certainly have them. <laughs> I, have the, I have those questions. Yeah. Uh, let's take a listen to uh, something else Marjorie Taylor Greene said about the audit. Every American tax dollar sent to Ukraine. All right. She's been on this. This is another clip, mm-hmm. another soundbite from Marjorie Taylor Greene. God bless her. Today, I'm introducing a House resolution. This is going to inquire requesting the president and directing the Secretary of Defense and Secretary of State to transmit respectively certain documents to the House of Representatives relating to congressionally appropriated funds to the nation of Ukraine from January 20th, 2021 
to November 15th, 2022. Basically, I'm demanding an audit of all United States taxpayer dollars that have been given in any form to Ukraine. We aren't defending our nation's border. We want to understand how Americans' tax dollars are defending uh, another nation's border. So here's what it looks like. This is the resolution. In order to introduce a resolution as a member of Congress, we have to have this form filled. I have to sign the top right-hand corner, and then I'll go into the House chamber, and I will submit this and ask for a number. And they'll give me a number assigned to the House resolution so that it goes up on our government website, and anyone can pull it up and look at it. So I'll sign it right here. And then it's ready to go. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how and that's how you uh, uh what, what, what that's how you make a bill in Congress. <laughs> exactly. There you go. What was that um uh the schoolhouse rock yeah schoolhouse rock, schoolhouse rock. How, how i'm only a bill sitting on capitol hill you know I, I used to love those shows when i was a kid so here's what i love i love this guy comer oh man he is a rock star. he's got he's an emerging rock star comer let's take a listen to where the house republicans announce an investigation into joe biden let's take a listen to this we are releasing a report today that details what we have uncovered we're also sending letters to the Biden administration officials and Biden family associates renewing our request for voluntary production of documents relevant to this investigation. This is an investigation of Joe Biden, the president of the United States, and why he lied to the American people about his knowledge and participation in his family's international business schemes. National security interests require the committee conduct investigation, and we will pursue all avenues, avenues that have long been ignored. Committee Republicans have uncovered evidence of federal crimes committed by and to the benefit of members of the president's family. These include conspiracy or defrauding the United States, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, violations of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, tax evasion, money laundering, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. The Biden family's business dealings implicate a wide range of criminality from human trafficking to potential violations of the Constitution. In the 118th Congress, this committee will evaluate the status of Joe Biden's relationship with his family's foreign partners and whether he is a president who is compromised or swayed by foreign dollars and influence. I want to be clear. This is an investigation of Joe Biden, and that's where the committee will focus in this next Congress. Well, you know what Mitt Romney said? What did Mitt Romney say? I think we've had enough of these pointless investigations. We need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gotten started. We, we, you know, I think he we wanted need to more. investigate Trump on every single well, thing on the planet. Well, that's the hypocrisy Mitt that Romney we're seeing. Mitt Romney is such a scumbag. He is unbelievable. Now, Scott, that's not a nice no, word I don't care. To, to say to I our listeners. I don't care. If he comes to my town, I'm going to you know, give him some what for. I'm going to give him a tongue lashing. What for in tongue lashing? Okay, that other word, not nice. Don't use it again. So no, really though, it's unbelievable, right? Yeah, it's fine. He's the Comer. This guy here. Yeah, he is going to be the committee chairman. Yeah, uh, for oversight. Yeah, <laughs> which our government needs a lot of oversight. Apparently, these people. Now check this out. You can't you can't make this up if you tried on eleven thirty. 
The New York Times, I'm talking about 1130. I'm talking about November 30th. Yes. On November 30th, the New York Times was planning to host a live event with Sam Bankman-Fried. He's the FTX guy. Yes. Zelensky, who's going to be on like Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock. (laughs) All right. And the U.S. Treasury, Janet Yellen, you're a tre- treasurer, you, Janet Yellen, as the main speakers. Well, I hope they the didn't cost spend to attend, too much printing it. The cost to attend that was $2,400. Jan- <laughs> no, it just goes to show you Jan- how corrupt Janet Yellen is yeah. and how dumb she is. She is the one that said it's transitory. <laughs> you know, She was part of the Federal Reserve. She was part of the Treasury now. She's... When you listen to this woman speak, you, you you hear ignorance. Yeah. And yet she is the, uh, from what I understand, she gets paid super big bucks yeah. to speak. Well, the person who's going to be taking over or has taken over FTX <clears throat> is John Ray Third. So he's now become the CEO. He's the same person who cleaned up the Enron mess. And he's basically said, never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, so so the adults are coming in to clean to clean up the mess. You know who else we need to clean out? Yeah, Chris Ray. Yeah, take well, a listen to this. Well, not to not related to the John Ray that I just mentioned. Take a listen to Josh uh, Hawley. Uh, yeah, Hawley from Missouri. Yeah, not to be confused with Tim Cotton, who <laughs> loves Mitch McConnell um, from uh, Cotton from Arkansas. Um, but uh, Josh Hawley, who campaigned for Kerry Lake yeah. out in uh, Arizona. I get the two mixed up. They they sort of look alike really? a little bit. Don't you think? Who? Well, who looks alike? Josh Hawley and Tim Cotton a little bit. Oh, no. Tim Cotton, not Tom Cotton. No, no, I meant the senator. Senator Cotton. Senator, yeah. Well, was his name Tim, Tom? I Tom. don't think Josh Tom Hawley. Cotton. Uh, well, maybe a tiny bit, but anyway, for some play the reason, clip. <laughs> I got the two mixed up. Anyway, this was pretty sad, and uh, I love that Josh Hawley called Chris Ray out on this. Director Ray, let me start with you, if I could. I think the last time that I got to visit with you was back in August, August fourth of this year. You were at the Senate Judiciary Committee. You remember that, I assume. We had to cut that hearing short. We were supposed to do two rounds of questions. You said you had to be somewhere, so we cut it short. Republicans were not able to ask a second round as we had been informed we would. The press reported shortly thereafter that the reason that the hearing had to be cut short is because you were flying on a Gulfstream jet for a personal vacation in the Adirondacks. Please tell me that's not accurate. Senator, the hearing was cut short, was not cut short from my experience. We had agreed beforehand on the time and and uh, and length of it, and my I was very surprised to find that the any mountain committee was surprised. Uh, as to how I uh, fly, I am required, not only uh, permitted but required to fly uh, on uh, an FBI plane wherever I go. That's so. So you were going on vacation. I was yes. So you left a statutorily required oversight hearing in order to go on a personal vacation in the Adirondacks? I took a flight to go visit my family, uh, as had been previously arranged in conjunction with the leadership of the committee. 
The ranking member, Chuck Grassley, asked you during the hearing, he said, I assume you must have other business. You said, yes. He then said, if you have a business trip, you've got your own plane, can't it wait a while? He then said, Chuck Grassley, we only just heard half an hour ago that now you have to leave. We were going to have a seven-minute round followed by a three-minute round. I've got seven people on my side of the aisle, that included me, who are waiting for this additional round. Is there any reason we can't accommodate them for 21 minutes? And you said you had a plane to catch. You had somewhere to go. And now we find out it was for vacation? Uh, there are two other clips I want to play before we run out of time. The clip I wanted to play was uh, actually, uh, this is going to be Jim Jordan uh, talking about how he's going to take our country back. Jamie, uh, so I would just start with this question. What part of Mr. Comer's presentation was Russian disinformation? I mean, never forget what happened on October 19th, 2020, 15 days before the most important election we have in our country. Who's going to be the next president of the United States? 15 days before that, Mr. Brennan, Mr. Clapper, and 49 other people signed a letter that said the following. It is for these reasons that we write to say that the arrival on the U.S. political scene of emails, purportedly belonging to Vice President, Biden, uh, Vice president Biden's son, Hunter, has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. They further went on to say, we want to emphasize that we do not know if the emails provided to the New York Post are genuine or not, just that our experience makes us deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in this case. And of course, that letter became the pretext for suppressing this story, again, just days before the most important election we have in our country. So I would ask this, was J.P. Morgan's suspicious activity report to the Treasury Department was that just a classic earmark of a Russian information operation? How about when Hunter Biden sent the email that Mr. Comer pointed to, sent the email asking for keys to his new office space, one for himself, one for President Biden, one for his uncle Jim Biden, and one for the emissary for the chairman of the Chinese energy company, CFCT. Was that just Russian disinformation operation in place? What part of Mr. Comer's presentation prompted the FBI to go to Facebook and say, hey, 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 you want to be on the lookout for Russian misinformation here this election season? What part of his presentation would prompt that? And I think it's also important to understand, never forget how this story has changed. I mean, think about this. When it started off, it was, no, it's not his laptop. It's not his laptop. Then it was, well, it's his laptop, but remember, it's Russian disinformation and no one did anything wrong. Then it was, well, maybe... Maybe he did something wrong, but President Biden didn't know about it. And now it's, well, maybe President Biden knew about it and was involved, but it, it didn't influence his decisions. In fact, yesterday, there was a story in Politico which said that. The story in Politico yesterday investigating the investigators, dim strategist to launch counterpunch to House GOP. Story in Politico yesterday, here's what I said in there. Quote, no evidence has publicly emerged that Joe Biden's decisions were affected by his son's business dealings. Wow, we, we, so we've went from it wasn't his laptop and it was Russian disinformation to, oh, whatever was in there didn't affect the president's business dealings, even though he was involved, even though the laptop was real, even though it wasn't disinformation. We've, that's how far we've come. So I think, that, that, I think there are all kinds of questions that need to be answered, and we're, we're determined to get there. Here's some of them that I have. Did the FBI brief Twitter as well? We know they briefed Facebook. We know that had an impact on the election. There's been surveys done where, where thousands and thousands of voters across this country said it might have impacted their decision in the election in 2020. 
Did the FBI brief any of the 51 former intelligence officials who signed that letter? Again, that letter that became the pretext for suppressing this story. Who did the briefings? Who briefed Facebook? Here's a name that I think is interesting. Timothy Tebolt. So Mr. Tebow, now remember, we just did a report two weeks ago, <clears throat> Judiciary Committee, a report that uh, talked about the political influence and the political shenanigans going on in our Justice Department. Based on 14 FBI agents who've come talk to our office as, as whistleblowers, one of those agents said, and this is the term he used, he said, at the highest levels of the FBI, specifically the Washington Field Office, he said it's rotted to the core. Not talking about rank-and-file agents. They're doing good, good work. Talking about the top people at the Washington field office. Yeah, and that's, that's what's encouraging is that the House is determined to get to the bottom of these investigations. Uh, I want you to listen to two clips I played months ago that I think are going to be center, front and center in the investigations coming up with the new uh, 118th House of Representatives. Let, let's take a listen. This will blow your mind because you know how the Bidens and the globalists are pushing the Green New Deal? Yep. The uh, climate? Mm-hmm. Well, they're profiting from it. Of course they are. Uh, let's take a listen. Representative Clyde, you are now recognized. Thank you, Madam Chairwoman. You know, first, uh, let me comment on my Democratic colleague from Georgia's statement on his assertion that the Democrats had wins for the American people. Well, let me go through a few of those wins. 40-year high inflation, wide open borders, rampant crime and soaring energy costs. These are the Democrat wins. These are the big Democrat wins, but they're not for the American people. They're for the Democrats. But I rise to speak in support of H. Res. 1243. This resolution provides Congress with necessary information to review and address apparent conflicts of interest regarding President Joe Biden and members of his family. Without the ability to review documents held by the United States Treasury, such as suspicious activity reports, information which was previously routinely provided to Congress until the Biden administration, Without the ability to review these documents, we cannot carry out proper congressional oversight. Hunter Biden's Chinese business deals are just one concern. In 2012, as Joe Biden and Barack Obama ran for re-election, Hunter and his longtime business partner, Devin Archer, now sentenced for fraudulent activities, reportedly entered talks with a Jonathan Lee, a Chinese national who ran Bohai Capital. The group founded private equity fund Bohai Harvest RST-BHR, and BHR is Biden Hunter Robert, on December the 16th, 2013, 11 days after Vice President Biden flew to Beijing to meet with President Xi Jinping. Hunter told The New Yorker he had explicitly requested to join Vice President Biden, his father, on the trip and arranged for Lee to meet his father. The New York Times reported that Hunter, Archer, and Christopher Heinz served on the board and controlled 30% of BHR. The rest of the company is owned and or controlled by Chinese investors that include the Bank of China, according to records filed with Chinese regulators. In 2016, BHR, through funds that came entirely from Chinese state-backed companies, contributed over a billion dollars to the buyout of Arizona-based Freeport 
McMorrin for the purchase of a cobalt copper mine and copper mine in the Democratic Republic of Congo when my good friend Mr. Donalds talked about cobalt. Hunter Biden stood to gain millions on the deal. The firm also purchased a stake in China's contemporary Amperex technology company, the world's biggest maker of batteries for electric vehicles. Committee Republicans have already written to the Transportation Secretary about our concerns that due to the Biden administration's policies, American jobs are suffering. For example, Ford Motor Company recently announced that it will cut 8,000 more American jobs. As Republicans highlighted in our January letter to the National Archivist, the American people deserve answers on the extent of Hunter Biden's business dealings, both domestic and abroad, and whether, or really how much, then President, excuse me, then Vice President Joe Biden was aware of the extent to which his son was trading on President Biden's name or Vice President Biden's name. Right. All right. So now we're going to listen to uh, Byron Donald. Uh, I love this guy, Byron Donald. Uh, take a listen to this. Recognize Mr. Donalds. Thank you, Madam Chair. I actually want to thank the previ- the member for actually explaining the playbook from the Democrats that seems to be on display every single day, whether here in these chambers or on any major news network or in any major newspaper in the United States. The purpose of the HRES is quite simple, to get information from the president with respect to the business dealings of his son. Now, the president has told us time and time again, frankly, it's a lie, but the president has told us time and time again that he has no idea what his son is actually doing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we all know that is the dumbest thing we've all heard. I have three sons. I've been away from my sons for 10 days. But trust me, I know exactly what they're doing. It doesn't take me long to pick up a phone and ask or to find out. The president knows what his son is engaged in. What his son is primarily being engaged in is a, is a mineral called cobalt. Let's educate the committee on cobalt. Cobalt is a mineral, a metal that is essential in the manufacturing of electric vehicles. Cobalt is one of the most important components of electric car batteries, solar panels, and other renewable energy sources. A Tesla long-range vehicle requires 10 pounds of cobalt, more than 400 times the amount of cobalt needed in a cell phone. Two-thirds of the world's cobalt production comes from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Hunter Biden has been heavily involved in the 2016 sale of a cobalt mine in the Democratic Republic of the Congo to a company that is a Chinese company. He was very involved. The New York Times has reported on his level of involvement. So do you mean to tell me that Joe Biden, who was then was a former vice president of the United States, then candidate for the presidency of the United States, now president of the United States, had no idea that his son was engaged in the sale of a cobalt mine to a Chinese company at the same time when the centerpiece of Joe Biden's energy policy is electric cars in the United States and more green technology. I mean, come on, folks, that is just crazy. You can sit here and try to lecture us about the leaks at Mar-a-Lago, which, by the way, let me also state for the record for the American people, there have been no hearings, there have been no classified briefings about documents at Mar-a-Lago. So the members of Congress who are saying what they know, what they're talking about are leaks into the news media, which, by the way, are illegal 
Leaks that are coming either A, from the Department of Justice or B, from the FBI, we don't know because the press protects their sources. But if you're citing that, that is illegal information obtained by the press with active investigations. But let's go back to Hunter Biden. The chairman is, the, the, vice, the, the ranking member is correct. There are changes by Joe Biden to the ability for Congress to get suspicious activity reports. I am a recovering banker. When we issue suspicious activity reports, it's not just thrown out like a mere bag of shells. It's done for specific reasons because there are concerns about criminalities surrounding the financial transaction. If Hunter Biden and other members of the Biden family have more than 100 suspicious activity reports. Congress does need to know about this because a funny thing's happening at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Joe Biden is president of the United States. His son, who's not a kid, by the way, the man's 50 years old. He ain't a kid. Okay. His son is running around the world cutting deals. His son is involved, involved in suspicious activity reports where financial institutions are making that readily or have, have, have actually drafted those documents. And Congress doesn't want to know. We don't want to have oversight now. I find it interesting. I think it's very clear that the members of the majority party do have a playbook when it comes to smearing their political opponents. They talked about several people, like Lois Lerner. Yeah, she was discriminating against Tea Party groups. That was a fact. Like Benghazi, yes, there was, there was, a, there was a dilatory effects at the Department of State that led to the death of four members of, of that four people that serviced our country and served our country. That did occur. And the one thing we already know is occurring, not through conjecture, because the documents of the transactions are quite clear. Hunter Biden was readily involved in the transactions dealing with Chinese companies for a mineral that is critical to the Democrat agenda respect, with respect to the Green New Deal. If Congress should not investigate what's going on between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, then I don't even know what we're doing here, folks. We might as well just wait till the midterms are over. I yield back every single day. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. So listen, uh, Leonore, we're about to head out of Dodge, but uh, you have a new uh, article that yes, you wrote. Yes, uh, check out this weekend. You should see my review of John Lair's new book, Arthur Miller, American Witness. Check it out. Okay, and where can they get that? Spectator.org. Spectator. All right, fabulous. And uh, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, my name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonore Cravetta. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Goodbye, everybody. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper, and grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.